from Australia, broadcasting around the world. Around the world. You're listening to the Mitch Maroney Show. Here's your host, Mitch Maroney. Except there's going to be some wrinkles here. And I mean, some small businesses have said, I just don't trust them. I can't believe they're going to give me $1,500 a fortnight for my, you know, to support my staff. And I say, believe it, you guys. Exactly. It's real. It's not yeah. some trick. Yeah. They're really doing it. <laughs> so it's just a different world we live in, Mitchell, isn't it? It is. And from a policy point of view as well, not that I'm a politician or anything, but I do like the fact that it's connected to the employment side for the small business because that is keeping everybody employed, keeping that connection between the employee and the employer. So when we do get through this, which we will eventually, you know, we, yeah. we've always got through whatever's happened, there's still that connection. So it's not like, okay, they're shut down, we're just going to give everybody money and yeah. there's not that still connection. So in theory, once it does come back, they've already got the staff, they've got that relationship and they can – Lack of I suppose the government has been saying it. They've hibernated the business. So when yeah. they come back, then it's all good. So I do think from a policy point of view that that was a good good approach. Oh, look, it's the only way to get the economy moving again quickly and I think we're going to start seeing in the very near future some very solid plans from governments, you know, both state and federal across Australia on plans for reopening, you know, over the next, you know, weeks and months. So you don't want to be in a position as a business, you have to go out to the market to find staff. Yeah. You know, um, you, know uh, you want to be able to pull the staff back, say, okay, we're on, we're on boys and girls, yeah. let's get the show on the road. Yeah, um, and they're already trained, they know the process, they know it like it's, yeah. as you would know anybody that has run a business, recruiting people, yeah. training them, all the is hard work. So if and, it's cost, and it's costly. It and is, it costs it you is. money. And not many people have got any money much in business right at the moment. So having your staff that you know and are trained available and ready to go is really important. And, you know, the JobKeeper will go till September. It, you know, it may end up going longer than that. But for yeah. lots of businesses, they'll be up and running significantly before that. So they'll have a period of time where they'll be getting JobKeeper but they'll be trading as well. So it really gives them an opportunity to start getting cash flow working a bit better to be able to get the business back on track. So that's why we're, you know, putting lots of pressure on government to say, look, you know, we know we've got to get this health stuff right, but at the end of the day we've got to keep the economy bubbling as well. So we need to do what we need to do to get businesses back on track trading again as soon as possible. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. and. Because obviously, the, yeah, the medically it's an issue and I don't want to take away from that, but you also need the economy needs to keep going. Otherwise, you can have all sorts of issues that arguably yeah. could be bigger than the other. You know, you've um, worked with mm-hmm. Beyond Blue, the mental health yeah. impact of running a small business, even if it's going well, is hard, let alone if you're losing your livelihood and all, all the rest. So. Mitchell, as you and I know, lots of small businesses have their, their business loans secured against their home. In fact, most who have debt, that's the scenario. So, so I think some of the things that often people, people who aren't involved in small business particularly forget is that that's the reality. So when you see your business through no fault of your own going down the tube really quickly, you know, it's not just your business. 
I mean, I remember, you know, when I opened my first pharmacy, I had my first pharmacy before I had my first child, so it was my first born. They're very much a part of who you are as a person, but businesses, but people are thinking, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not just going to lose my business here, but I could lose the home. I could lose our family home. That is just more stressful than anybody could ever exactly. um, imagine. I've said to people with it as well, like, you know, in business, you do have to budget for a little bit of downturn and stuff, but you never budget to go to zero. Like, <laughs> overnight. Exactly. <laughs> Almost like, overnight. Okay, winter is going to go down to 80% of what summer is because it's seasonal or whatever. But, you know, if you're a cafe, you don't expect overnight it goes to zero because you can't open. Like, at no fault of their own. Like, it's obviously the government policy you had to stop for obvious reasons. But from a business point of view, you don't have that. You'd be, you never expect that to happen. So, yeah, that's where the stimulus is, is really helping. Mitchell, I'm sure you'd be going through this with your clients and whatever at the moment is staying to look at what cash flow looks like, mm. you know, post-September because some of the things that we're concerned about at the moment and talking to government about is it's really good that banks have pushed payments out on business loans and home loans. The ATO has pushed out ATO payments. Apart from super, you have to pay your super because the legislation says you have to regardless. You know, those payments are, are, are being pushed out. The new mandatory commercial tenancy code, you know, is certainly producing some reductions in rent, but it another lot of, you know, deferred rent being pushed out. So the importance of having a good plan for what does this look like, what does this all look like post-September, and we can't be sure because we just don't know, you know, how quickly the economy will bounce when we get to open what that will really look like. But I think we can be confident that personal distancing and even what we call workplace distancing e.g. You know, one person per four square metres, is going to be with us for the foreseeable future, even okay. when we're allowed to open again. So, you know, there's never been a more important time to plan cash flow, you know, plan what your business looks like, what you can actually do in an environment of social distancing and, and also, you know, what your customers now want from you. And I think customers have changed in their expectations and needs and wants. So that's why poor old accountants are under the pump at the moment because this is a whole new world. It is, it is. And it will be really interesting once we get through it and everything lifts, what remains, like you said, social mm. distancing, which I would say probably will, everybody washing their hands and all that, yeah. well, which is it's good. So even just overall illness, colds, flu, et cetera, will drop in theory. That's a good thing. I also think well, I could see more, so there's a lot of businesses that operated on a belief that they could never work from home, they, everybody had to be in the office. And yeah. then all of a sudden you're forced to work from home or whatever. So you're forced to adapt. Yeah. So, you know, this is a bit bigger than a small business, but I could imagine there would be some companies going, well, why would I pay a million dollars a year in rent for a CBD location where I could either go a little bit more regional or have all my employees work from home, even if, say, if productivity drops slightly and it costs a hundred grand a year, lost productivity, but you're saving nine hundred thousand on top. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see, I suppose, what happens in that respect. 
Mitchell, it is inevitable that will happen. And I think we're starting to see it already in some of the bigger firms, the big accounting firms, you know, the KPMGs, the, you know, Deloitte's, all those guys, consulting, accounting stroke consulting firms. I know they're looking at this and going, so we've managed with people working from home. People have gone literally home. You know, they were working in Sydney. They're now, you know, working out of Gosford, you know, regional areas where their family home might be. I know there's a whole lot of work going on and saying, so what does business as usual look like? And if as a company we've always said, hey, we support flexible workplaces, all of a sudden it's going to be really interesting as to how you actually make that real because if people want to continue to work from home, it's going to be really interesting. I mean, if you've got those policies in place, you've almost got to say, well, okay. Yeah, you know, Let's see if we can make it work. Yeah. And that will be good for rural and regional areas. It'll be good for growth away from CBDs, which is good, good from uh, all sorts of perspectives. Spread the love, you know, absolutely. Um, Improve our, uh, actually, you know, productivity. I was talking to somebody yesterday who's got, you know, a a senior CFO role in a, you know, mid-tier company and she was saying, for me, this has been brilliant. She commutes for four hours a day. You know, it takes because it's Sydney, you know. So she's commuting in from sort of the northern, top end of the northern beaches, almost central coast, Mm. to the office. And so for her, she's got all this extra time. So for her, it does increase her productivity. And she's saying, you know, I'm not going back. This has shown me what life really looks like. So it will be interesting to see just what we as a society look like at the other end of this. And it could be a real boon for rural and regional Australia that, you know, has struggled a little bit. Yeah, I I think there'd be a portion of professional that works in CBD Perth that's always kind of wanted a hobby farm sort of thing for himself, but he's like, I don't want to commute two hours each way to do it because, you know, my career is being a lawyer or whatever open up that opportunity to go, you know what, I can do that. I can still work from home, do the job I love and, you know, help and that sort of thing. But I can also get this work-life balance and have the hobby farm for argument's sake that they've been looking for. Yeah, and I think that's what's going to happen. And I think the challenge for all of us in business is as we work with our staff, you know, in terms of reopening, things getting back on track, is actually having those discussions with our people on what they want, what's working for them. Mind you, it's got to work. Yeah, you know, I must admit, enough. everyone who tells me that productivity doesn't suffer when you've got staff working all over the place, I have to say I think they've, they're kidding themselves a little because it yeah. does. But for people who can do it, for people who, who really find working from home a positive thing and they can actually be productive at home, why would we get in the way of that? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, and I mean, on on that same note, I suppose I'm similar, but in the opposite way of, I actually quite struggle to work at home. Like, I'll do a little bit. Me too. Distracted. I've got a dog that comes in and annoys me, wants love, and all the rest. So, actually, going to the office sets my mind to okay, we're going to work. You know, and so home's home, works work. But hats off to people that can sort of merge. Yeah. But yeah, Mitchell. 
I'm with you. When I'm at home, I can think of 50 million other things to do. Yeah. You know, or just got to go and do such. A, oh, it should just go and do that. You know, I'm hopeless, absolutely yeah. hopeless. So I fit in the I am very unproductive at home space. But yeah. two is I've got a few staff members that are just good at it and really enjoy it. And I think it might mean that we end up with this really big division between the introverts and the extroverts. Yeah, you know? exactly. exactly. <laughs> and but anyway. It would be interesting if that was the case and happens from a, I suppose, mental health point of view as well, you know, the impacts of that because obviously, you know, Zoom and stuff is amazing technology now. It is. Stay connected. But if you are working from home and you're not, say, going out and seeing people and connecting anyway, that could produce a, a, a bit of a negative impact for some people because sometimes work is their social connection to other humans. Absolutely, but there's two sets of people, again, introverts and extroverts. One of the things we found when I was CEO of Beyond Blue, and I'm still Deputy Chair of Beyond Blue, so still involved heavily, was that, you know, when you're thinking about managing a staff, and Beyond Blue's got quite a lot lot of staff, Hmm. you know, putting your introverts at a place, you know, where people walk past all day, you know, like at the lifts or next to the kitchen or whatever, I mean, it's really stressful for them because people are really stressful. Whereas your extroverts, the problem is you can't shut them up. So they talk to everyone who walks past. It's one of those interesting challenges. But that's what the world's going to look like as we all start coming back to work. And I think some of our challenges as, you know, people running businesses, even quite small businesses, having those discussions with people, with your staff about, you know, what was good, what was bad, you know, what's worrying them about coming back to work, what are they looking forward to and, yeah. You know, making what, sure that we, can we do, yeah. do it for a few because, like we said with the government policy, but even from the small business working on it, because it happened so quickly, it was kind of a sink or swim we'll figure out along the way. So yeah. I do think it's important, even if they are coming back to work or whatever the scenario is, to review it and learn what worked, what didn't. Because it could be a case of, yeah, this part didn't work, but if we tweak it a little bit, then that's cool. Like, so it, it does open that sort of thing up from a business growth and like just having a look at policies and procedures sort of thing. It's absolutely true. And we've seen some really smart businesses that have pivoted quite significantly and are doing things in different ways, which I think they'll probably continue to do. You know, I'm doing a, an interview tomorrow with a local baker here who, Paul Bugger, opened a business after lots of years being a pastry chef for another business last October. And for Canberra, you know, the smoke over the Christmas period, even though Canberra itself wasn't burnt, we had fires all the way around and down the coast. And so it was not a pleasant time to be outside or sitting out having a cup of coffee and a, you know, and a cake. So Christmas was pretty ordinary and then we had COVID and he's only been operating since October. But he decided, okay, if people won't come to me, I'm going to them. So he's got almost the Mr. Whippy truck of bakeries. And he's, he is, you know, he is extraordinary. He does the best sourdough and, you know, so he's a, he's a great baker. But he's got um, the Mr. Whippy van, more or less, you know, with the music and he's going around to various parts of Canberra and Selling from the back of the truck, really, and doing actually okay. Yeah, I love hearing that sort of thing. Like people adapting, and that's that's amazing. 
And I tell you what, if he, I assume he's going to do well. And if he gets through all of this, he'll get through anything because he's had a very hard start to the business. And, you know, it probably comes to what's, what is the most important thing, most important quality you need in business. Mm. And it really is about resilience, isn't it? Yeah. Resilience and about being, being able to see outside the square, to be able to change with the environment and not be caught back in, you know, well, when I started pharmacy, this is what we did. You know, I tell you what, when I started pharmacy, I had a, an Apple IIe computer that I thought was really amazing because if I typed in T1 TDSPC, it came up as take one three times a day after meals. And I thought that was so clever. I mean, other, you know, it wasn't yeah. very clever and it was 64 Ks, so it had no memory. Now pharmacies are computerised to the extent of, you know, lots of pharmacies now have robots that are doing, that are actually getting stuff off the shelf and all of your um, stock is computer managed and so on. I don't feel that old. I sound that old. (laughs) But it shows that the world turns and how you operate your business has to change regardless. Put COVID-19 in the mix and for that matter, natural disasters, you know, droughts, floods, you know, a whole range of other things. Your capacity to be resilient, to be able to bounce back and to be able to think about better ways to do things and, you know, better ways of responding to what your customers might be interested in or what might make people use you rather than other businesses is pretty important. And boy, this has shown it up front and personal. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You've been listening to The Mitch Maroney Show. Mitch Maroney Show. Stay tuned for more.